thank you, Father, for this day and for all the things that you've done, Lord. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Father, we thank you for just being who you are. Uh, Lord, we just ask that today be a glorious day for you and that uh, all things that are said come from your mouth. These things we ask through Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, I started looking at this message uh, several weeks ago when Dorman asked me to start. And, you know, I look at Dorman's messages and look at Brother John's message when he brings them. They always seem to be an extension of the exchange and and everything kind of seems to go and says, you know, when I start to think of mine, I think, oh, this is going to flow right along with all this and it's going to do great. And uh, then it turns around into something that I need to learn. <laughs> and so I guess I'm just a little harder headed than most and I need more learning than other people do. So that's, that's what it turned out to be this time. So I started thinking about uh, our paths, the, the way we're going in life. And I guess if this has a title, it's uh, Our Path is Defined Whether You Like It or Not. And, uh, do, do you know, did you ever ever say, did you ever think, you know, if if I just knew which way the Lord wanted me to go, I'd just go that way? You know? If I just knew that the Lord was leading me here, but now I have no, I mean, I know that the Lord was leading me here, but now I have no idea why I'm here, or why I'm started down this path. Or, you know, did you ever say, you know, shouldn't this be easier to know which way we need to go? Well, these are things that I've pondered uh, for quite a while, and the scripture that kind of centers around this is Psalms 37, 23. And it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You've heard that. It's been quoted millions of times. And it brought questions to my mind, you know, for years, you know. And really, I think most of us kind of put this into the bottle of, well, God's just helping me along my journey. You know, he's there to help me as I go. But uh, when this came to mind as I was uh, thinking about this, began to ponder a little more, and the Scripture began to, demonstrate itself in a few different ways, and then I kind of uh, got the learning whack and realized that uh, the simplistic viewpoint that God is just helping us is really kind of out of line. It's not really what that scripture means. You know, I started to gain some insight, and I thought, you know, maybe this is revelatory. Maybe this is really something that's just going to expand the exchange word just a little more. And it kind of forced me to think of things differently. And as I started gaining knowledge of this concept, uh, I was confronted with a situation Wednesday last week uh, at work that said to me, the Lord said to me, okay, if this is what you believe, then you're going to have to walk in it. It's like, great. You know, here we go. That's when it Kind of got me with the two before. Uh, the situation that I'm talking about was a very disappointing situation. Uh, it had been going on for well over a year. And 
the deal is the Lord continued to encourage me in this situation and in this pursuit. And there was porner after porner after porner that this was the course I was to be on. And so, you know, I stayed on that course. I believed in that course and I expected in that, that that was the course I was on. And then, kaboom, the door slammed shut. It crimped my toes, it bloodied my nose, it took out a few teeth, it broke a few fingers, you know, because I was hanging on to that door because I was going through that door because this is the course, this is the path, you know. So really this is much talking and convincing me as it is sharing with you. So uh, now back to Psalms 37.23. You know me, I like to break the scriptures apart and kind of take a look at them maybe a little differently than, than some, but the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Well, the first section there is the steps. What are steps? Well, most people think that's just a step. But if you dig into it and look at it, it does mean a step or a footstep, but it's really used to define the way of a person's life unfolds. It's not just a step. And to follow in a person's footsteps is to imitate and adapt, adopt, sorry, their actions or goals. So to follow a person's footsteps is to imitate and adapt, adapt, adopt. Golly, I did it again. I was trying to make it clear. To follow a person's steps is to imitate and adopt their actions and goals. I'll read it in that way. Maybe it comes out right. So we're adopting their ways. Whose ways are we to adopt? Whose footsteps are we to follow? And who are we to imitate? Okay? It's Christ. Then we get to the word a man. Now, good was inserted by the translators. But the word there is geber. And that means a mighty or virile man. And the funny thing about this is that God himself used that word to describe himself. And that's in Zechariah 13, 7. Well, I'm going to have a hard time this morning. In Zechariah 13, 7, God calls himself by that same Hebrew word. And the passage points to the coming of Jesus, the one who, as God, would take on the sinful human nature, the man, and become the shepherd to us all. So, the next word there is ordered. Well, I thought that kind of meant just ordered. You know, it's ordered. It's structured. It actually means to make firm. And the primary action in this verb is to cause to stand upright. So it's really not ordered like here's the list of things, but it's to make you stand upright. You don't fall, you don't waver, you don't do, you stand upright, okay? And the next se section of the verse is by the Lord. Now, most of us, no, we know what the Lord is. 
But the critical point here is by the. That was part of the word. You think that Lord is the key part of that, but it's not. The word indicates a cause for something on account of. It is used to mean something is a part of something else. The steps of a good man are ordered because we are part of something else, which is the Lord. That's why they're ordered. We share in that and we're part of it. The Lord there is the word that most of us call Jehovah, but it's really Yehovah is the way the Hebrew says it. It's, you know, we, we as Texans going you know, Jehovah, you know, and that's not, that's not the right, but that's the meaning God. It's the proper name of the God of Israel. So by the, by the is very important to understand in that piece. And a lot of times those prepositions, we just throw them away. You know, we don't look at it, but that means that we're part of the Lord, that we share in what the Lord has. And then the next section there is, and he delights. Well, guess what? That's what it means. He delights. We have favor. You know, he's pleased with us. And he is that we are to be pleased. Okay? And then we get to the word in his way. And that actually is the word Derek. Spelt just like we spell people's name, Derek. Okay? And guess what? That is that pathway of one's life. It suggests a pattern of your life, an obedient life. So here we go back to the steps. Starts out the way a person's life unfolds. And he ends that with in his way, which is the pathway of one's life. Now, later on, I'm going to quote a verse that we've all heard where Jesus calls himself the way. Now, that's a different way because it is the way that he is the path. These are talking about the pathways that we take, but he is the path that we're on. So. Basically, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means to be established. The word rendered order, and I'm just recapping here. The word rendered order means to stand erect, to set up, to found, to adjust, to fit. The idea here is that all which pertains to the journey of a good man through life is directed, ordered, fitted, or arranged by the Lord. That is... His course of life is under the divine guidance and control of the Lord. The word good has been supplied by the translators, and there's nothing corresponding it into the original. It's simply there. The steps of a man are ordered. However, however, there can be no doubt that a good or pious man is what is particularly referred to here, for the connection demands this interpretation. The word steps is his course of life, the way which he goes, and he delights in his way. And in his course of life, and therefore he blesses them, the general idea is that 
He is the object of the divine favor, and we are under the care of God. That's what that verse really encapsulates. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, that's great, Lord. I'm glad you're directing my paths, and I'm glad I'm upright. I'm glad I'm standing here, and I'm glad I'm walking down this pathway. But what good does that do me now? You know, I was following you. I was going down this road. You pointed me in this direction. I was walking the path. I was, you know, this is me and the Lord always having those arguments all the time. You know, I'm sure he laughs at me a lot because I tend to say things like, come on, Lord, you know. Why were you doing this? You did this for me, and I did this. I did what you asked. I know that's what you asked because I did it. And then, guess what? He takes me to Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs twenty twenty four, And it says, in King James, it says, A man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? The message says, the very steps we take come from the Lord. Otherwise, how will we know where we're going? I thought I knew where I was going. I don't know about you, but I, you know, <laughs> I knew where I was going. I knew where I was headed. You know, the deal is, the man can't understand the way because we've never been this way before. We have never gone that path. Only the Spirit of God can lead us. God told Moses, and it's really funny that you talked about that scripture this morning. God told Moses that he needed him to lead him. He said, otherwise I can't go. Because Moses knew, I've never been this way before. How do I know how to lead the people of Israel where we're going? Because I've never been there. And if you don't go, then I can't go and we can't leave. So, all of us need to know who is leading us. And I thought, okay, that, that makes sense. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just sitting here floating around, even though I'm walking down that road, you know. And another Proverbs scripture comes up. Proverbs 16, 9. It says, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his path. The Amplified says, a man's mind Mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. Okay. I went, okay, great, Lord. This is really getting complicated here. You tell me that you're leading me down the path, you're pointing me down the path, you know, and then you tell me that I can't understand which way I'm going because I don't know what I'm doing. And then you say, I make my own plans, but you're going to direct me. Well, wasn't that what you said in the first verse? Didn't you say that you were directing my paths and leading me down this road and that I was doing what I thought you were telling me to do? Well, the deal is, I got to digging through this verse again, and of course the heart, a, a man's uh, heart is the inner man, the will, the emotions, just like we've always thought. And... Uh, then we get to devise. And that word is another verb, to reckon, to regard, to invent, to plot, <laughs> to think something out, to make plans about the course of your life. Now, boy, 
If that's not Kent Blaine, I don't know who it isn't. Because I've got to have a plan for everything. I can't start anything without a plan. Yosem was talking this morning about a plumbing job. He said, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And I thought I had it all scoped out. Should have took me 30 minutes, took me all day. That's me. That's me. And just about everything the Lord does or everything that I do, it's like I have to have that plan. I've got to plan this out. And he's corrected me on this so many times. But anyways, then we get into the rest of it. And guess what? A man's goings, or, or I mean, I'm sorry, uh, a man's heart devises his way. Well, the way is the same as in Psalm 37, 23. Still the same, the pathway of your life. Then we get to the next about the Lord there, and guess what? It's Yehovah again. It's the exact same, same thing as in Psalms 37, 23. And then we get to directeth, and it's the same thing again. It means to make firm, to establish, to stand upright. So here we have Psalms, and we have Proverbs. And they're all saying exactly the same thing. But again, you know, I still have steps that I have to take because I don't know where I'm going because the Lord told me I don't understand. So I said, Lord, I'm still confused here. Said, you know, it's like this path that you had me on every, and like I say, it went on for about 13, 14 months. Every two or three weeks, there was a very positive confirmation that stay there. Keep going. Keep walking that way. This is what I have prepared for you. Well, I was looking at what was at the end of the path. I wasn't looking at what the Lord was doing. And what he did was he was directing my path saying, yeah, stay on the course. Stay the course. Don't get off. You know. Yeah, I've got you on this course. You need to finish this course. But I was looking at what was at the end because that's what I thought I was going towards. So, then, <laughs> took me into Isaiah 42, 16, and it says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make dark, Darkness, light before them. And crooked things straight. Whew. i got to finish this verse. <laughs> it says, these things I will do unto them and not forsake them. I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. And then Isaiah 45, 2. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars, bars of iron. Well, basically what he's saying is I'm going to clear your path for you. You don't have to worry about it, you know. Don't, don't think about what's in front of you. you know? 
Because a lot of times the light that God brings is a couple of feet in front of us. And that's faith, where we have to continue to step and let that light illuminate our path as we move forward. Because kind of like the, you know, a few good men, we can't handle the truth. We couldn't handle if we saw all the way to the end of that journey. We could not handle it as humans. And then he took me to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 10.23 in King James, it says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And then the message, it says it this way. I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives, that men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of their life. You hear an amen in that? Boy, that's me. So, through all this, we see that our pathway of our life is set by God, that we can plan and think and do everything that we can to figure out which way we go, But God is still going to direct our paths in spite of us. Thank God that he does it in spite of us. You know why? Because we don't see the whole picture. You know, we see through that glass darkly. We only see a little speck of what God has for us. You know, we're like parents and children when they're learning to walk. You see that there's a step coming up. And you know good and well, if they keep going, they're going to fall because they don't understand that they're supposed to raise their foot up higher or step down off of it. We see that, and we try to tell them, but what do they do? We keep plodding along, and we fall off the step or fall up the step. At least I do. That's the hard-headedness in me. And then we come to the verse that I referred to earlier that's been quoted thousands of times. John 14, 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man come unto the Father but by me. And we talk about the way, which maybe is the way traveled. But it also means a way of thinking. Jesus is the way, but Jesus is also the way we should think, the way our mind should handle things. Now, that's metaphorically, guys. It's not the way the actual word does, but metaphorically, it means we need to think that way. So I got to thinking about that and was taken to another verse that everybody knows, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, And lean not into your own understanding. Well, I'm not going to break that verse all down, but the thing is thine own understanding. If you look at it from just the way the word was placed there, it's understanding. But if you look at the root word, and that's what I love about Brother John, he likes to dig to the roots too. But the root of that word means to separate mentally. Where have you heard that before? You know, if we lean to our own understanding, then we separate mentally the things that we're thinking about. And what do we have? We're double-minded. What does it say about a double-minded man? 
He's unstable. He's not erect. He's not upright. And fluent, he's unstable. He wavers. He falters. He falls. He trips. All those things. Trusting in Christ and in his direction is the only way that we should go. So why do we fight against all this since he's already doing it for us? He said, I'm already doing this for you guys. So Kent, why do you fight? Why do you struggle with this? Why do you keep taking your own understanding? Why do you keep turning around and looking at what's behind you and saying, God did it this way, so he ought to do it that way again. God does not do that. God is a God of creation. Everything he does, every single thing he does is brand new. I don't care if it looks the same. It's brand new. It's not something, nothing, you know, will happen like it happened in the past. He may have met you somewhere and did something, and you hang on to that, and you're going to be lost in that forever because he is a God of creation. Well, you know, it talks about sin and missing the mark, and to repent is to what? Think differently. Do a 180. Don't keep thinking the way you're thinking. Think differently. And how should we think? We should think like Christ says we should think. That's that way. Metaphorically means the way he thinks. Okay. Another thing is Jesus continually told his people to follow him. He called us sheep. You can't herd sheep. You know, they have to follow a shepherd. So, to follow Jesus involves fully abiding in in fellowship with him every single moment of our life. If we are truly in Christ, then how hard is it to see that he's directing our steps? For me, it was, I mean, it's pretty hard for some reason. We are in him. He is the way. So why are we struggling so hard with just knowing that his path is our path no matter what we do? We can't do anything to change it. He's going to do it for us. And that's what he kept saying. I'm already doing this for you, Kent. I'm already doing it. Quit it. (laughs) You know, stop butting your head against the goads. Of course, that's not the way the scripture is, but that's the way I am. My head's the hardest part on me, so that's what I usually butt against. So, Anyways, the only thing I can really do is to make that change of thinking. You know, don't wander around aimlessly in a fog. My path is either the way of Jesus or it's my own understanding. It's either one or the other. And you know, there was a book they did in the coffee shop, and the women are doing it on angels. And it said, you know, that we all have angels, guardian angels around us. You know, the trouble is, and what he said was, the trouble is that they're sitting there waiting for us to ask them for help. You know, why don't we ask? You know, why don't we ask? And another deal, Norman and I was talking last week, and we're talking about, you know, there's a, kind of this thing out in the world that says that, you know, when Satan fell, he took a third of the angels. Well, the big deal is, well, you know, at least there's twice as many 
angels left that are on the good side as there are on the bad side. And, you know, Dorman said it, and that's what it, I've been thinking. But who says that God quit creating angels? They're created beings. Who said that he has stopped creating angels? There could be millions of more angels than what fell now. And I believe that. I believe that. So think about that. He's a God of creation. He never stops creating. He never stops creating. If he started creating angels, why would he stop? Why would he stop? There's no reason to. And then, I've got some other things here, and I promise I'll wrap up. Things keep slapping you in the face. Gail's real good about putting stuff on the bathroom mirror right in front of where I have to look at it because you can't shave, you can't do anything else unless you look at that and either move it aside or do something. She's gotten a little better about keeping it to the right just a little bit so I can at least see around it. But she put, she's put something up the other day, and I never know when she's going to put it up because she never tells me. She never says, oh, hey, I got something for you. It's just always up on the mirror. Well, this was a two-pager. You know, so it's kind of hard to stand there. A lot of them are just these little short devotional deals, you know, that you can read in a couple of minutes. Well, this was a two-pager, and I'm not going to read it all, but it was, she gets the Proverbs 31 woman, and there's always some real good things. A lot of times she forwards them to me in email and, you know, things like that. But this is about Revelations 3.7. It says, when I open a door, no one can close it. And when I close a door, no one can open it. Listen to what I say. That's in the contemporary English version. And I thought, hmm, you know, I think this appeared Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, after Wednesday when I'd gotten all the bloody nose and broken fingers and lost a few teeth when the door slammed. And I was kind of disappointed and down on Thursday, and she got that. Well, I took it down and stuck it in my briefcase to take to work because I started reading it, and I went, oh, great. You know, shut doors. So, anyways, it says, more often than not, I would admire my friends and notice how they seem to be on the fast track towards success in life. I, too, had goals and wanted to accomplish dreams to pursue and could call, and a calling I longed to fulfill. I longed for God to stamp yes stickers on all my prayer requests and open every door of opportunity that I thought would be perfect for me. But that didn't happen. Instead, I faced many challenges and obstacles. It seemed as if I'd take one step forward and three steps back, like I was encountering more roadblocks than open doors. My self-made highway toward those dreams started to look more like a dirt road littered with potholes and discouragement and puddles of frustration. So what I do, I prayed harder. Now, not all the answers came right away, but I refused to give up. Now, this is this lady talking, not me. I kept reading my Bible and asking God the tough questions. You know, I can continue to trust him and follow his lead even when things didn't make sense. Well, I followed him when I thought they did make sense. Then one morning I was reading, she came upon this scripture. It says, when I open the door, no one can close it. When I close the door, no one can open it. Then the thought came to her. A closed door is not God's objection toward me. It is his sovereign protection over me. 
Okay, and she goes on to explain a little bit further, but that's when I went, whoa, that's why I got busted teeth, bloody nose, curled up feet, you know, bruised up, all that, because I was trying to get through there, but he was protecting me. And then went to Peter 5, 7, and says, cast all your cares on him. You've heard this from Dorman millions of times, but cares there literally are distractions. Things that take your mind off the path that you're going down. And Dorman has said many, many times that Satan has many mass weapons of distraction that he uses every day on us. Now I want to read you something that I wrote, I don't know how many years ago now, but it was a brochure that Dorman asked me to put together, and it's about the road that you're on. And the first section is the old man road, which really now we understand more as the carnal man's road. It says, we are all born as the old man. Decisions we make, the way we think, the road or path we follow are all defined by our old man or our Adamic nature, which is now our carnal man. This road is built and paved with our daily actions, our thoughts, and choices we make. We pursue things that appease the the old man, our mind, will, and emotions, and our physical needs that must be satisfied. So we choose a job only on the basis of it pays more money and and not that I will enjoy it more or it's where the Lord wants me. We choose to buy things that we really do not need just because we can or to impress those around us. We choose to indulge our other needs, food, relationships based on physical attraction, alcohol, drugs, gossip, slander, hatred, and the list goes on and on. Before we know it, we have a pretty good road built before us. We are satisfied and comfortable because we did it ourselves. And we can prove it, just ask me. We can write a book about how, it show, how to show how we got where we are. Ain't life grand. Then something happens. Something triggers an emotional or a physical event. Now our once beautiful road is beginning to get dusty and potholes are appearing. What is happening? We begin to think, oh, I can fix this. No problems here. So we continue to move forward. But now we must convince ourselves that the potholes are really not there. And the dust is really not going to hurt us. So we just leave it alone. Soon we can no longer see the dust or the potholes even though they're still there. Even when others are telling us they're there, we still don't see them. This is the road built upon and paved with deception, believing that it is true when it is not. This is the road of the carnal man. Derek Prince said that there is one word that describes this carnal man, and that word is deception. Now we talk about the new man's road. Once we're brought to the knowledge of the fact that we are on this road, that we really see it and that we understand exchange, we recognize that Jesus came to reconcile us to God or to exchange this old path for a new one. This new road was provided for us by Jesus in his life and death. We come to this point and we turn around, repent, our thoughts change, exchange the old and begin our new direction in the new man's road. While you would think that since you've been on this old man's road for so long, that once you make the exchange, that you would need to, 
to spend considerable time repairing all the potholes and clearing off all the debris that you left behind. But guess what? This is a new road prepared by the exchange of our sins, diseases, emotional ills, all of it by what Jesus did for us with his life and death on the cross. This new road was always there, running parallel to the road that we were on, but this road was a higher road than the old road. What Jesus' sacrifice did was open an exit ramp from this old road to the new road. And all we have to do is take the exit. Once taken, you're now a new creation on a new road as the new man. This is the new, new man's road, the road that not, cannot be soiled or cluttered again. This road is built upon truth and truth alone. All you do is just accept it. It's already done. It's already completed. It is finished, ready for each one of us to use. However, once you've taken this exit to the new man's road and are living as a new man, the old man, or Satan, is continuing to work on the old man's road, covering the potholes a little bit, hiding the clutter on this old road, putting up some familiar road signs, sprucing up the roadside parks. If you begin to look down the old road, you start seeing some old familiar territory. The comforting signs, emotional validation, physical attraction, and the old man just really likes it a lot. If you look long enough, you can open an exit ramp to this old road. This is where you have the choice to either take that exit or exchange that thought for the new one and remain on the new road. The key here is that you recognize these familiar surroundings for what they are. You see that they are not of God, not of the new man. We understand through the knowledge of the walk in the new man that we are not, op- we are not to open this exit ramp and we are to remain on the new road. This is why our focus must be on things above. We must keep our face and eyes looking forward, seeking the next step that is already defined that is already directed, that is already in place on this new road. However, God knows us very well, and he knew that we would be opening ramps from time to time to get back over to that old road. God, in his mercy and by what Jesus did, provided us a way to return to the new road, a way to close an old exit and open up that ramp back to the new road again. This is provided by the confession of our sins, missing the mark, which is turning around, Exchanging that old thought for the new one, which is renewing our mind, renewing his renovation, tearing out the old thought and replacing or exchanging it with a new, which in turn God casts as far as the east as the west and remembers them no more. God no longer has an issue with sin. Jesus took care of this for us. So why do we agonize over sin when God does not have an issue with sin anymore? He does not forget the sin. He chooses not to remember it. It's his choice. People say that he forgets it. No, he doesn't. He chooses not to remember. God forgets our sins. He is is a creator. Everything he does is creative and redemptive. Satan cannot create anything. He only transforms or modifies what is already created. Satan remembers everything. These two roads are black and white. They are of God or they're not of God. 
There are no side roads. There's no ditches. There's no other way. Which road do you want to be on? The road of the old man is one of comfortable, familiar territory. The road of the new man is one of creation. All things are new. This is not comfortable all the time. It stretches and even hurts sometimes. But this road is always one of peace. Peace and comfort are not synonymous, as some may think. You may never be comfortable in the midst of the storm, but you can always have peace in that storm. So, if you find yourself in familiar territory, make an exit and take it. So, I believe that when we finally get to the end of our road and we're having that little quick recap of our life, I think we're going to look back and we're going to find out that the road where we started and the road where we ended up was a perfectly straight line. That there was no diversion. There was no wandering. But it's perfectly straight. You know, mathematics tells us the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And I believe that that's what we will see. I hope this made sense to somebody because it's still working here. I hadn't got it, but I'm going to. Thank you all. You're dismissed.